Welcome to another episode of The Eccentrics with UI, where I have conversations with individuals that embody the three criteria that I look for before bringing them on the show. And those in the criteria are that they have traveled a fair bit, they have created a money-making venture, and lastly, they are willing to share a setback that occurred one time in their life, and most importantly, how did they rebound from that setback? Before we go into today's episode and I tell you who we are having on the show today, I wanted to let you know about my weekly newsletter that comes out once a week titled Three Nuggets Weekly. It's uh, a newsletter where I share three things during the previous week that I found valuable and I think might add value to your life. Uh, if you want to subscribe to this uh, newsletter, you can visit my website, www.uiukpong.com, insert your email address, and you would have this uh, newsletter once in your inbox every week. It's just uh, very brief, uh, where I share philosophy, I share either a documentary I watched in the previous week, or a news article, a book, um, a video, whatever it is. And I just share it with those that uh, subscribe to the newsletter. So once again, if you want to get uh, to be one of those uh, subscribers, visit my website, uiukpong.com. Insert your email address in there, and it will be waiting for you in your inbox once a week. With that, let's get into today's show. For today's episode, if you want to uh, follow um Alan's story properly, I would really recommend that you go listen to part one of his conversation that he had with us. Um that would help you to be able to put the pieces because the first part of um his story was when he was talking about being in the military and the attack that he had with the Taliban in Afghanistan as well as at the time he served in the Iraq war. And after being honorably discharged from the Marines, um, battling PTSD and very close to committing suicide in his uh, apartment in Virginia. But for this part of the conversation that we're about to have, I, I titled it Redemption. So I would highly recommend you listen to the first part of my conversation with Alan. But um, since you're here, why don't I tell you who Alan is again? Uh, Alan Levi Simmons is a husband and father, motivational speaker, engineer, author, and United States Marine Corps veteran who deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. During his deployment, he survived an RPG, which means rocket-propelled grenade blast, and sustained a traumatic brain injury. After his deployment to Afghanistan, Alan was honorably separated from the Marines, completing four years of active duty service. After his time in the Marines, he battled with PTSD, which means post-traumatic stress disorder, addictions, and suicide. It was through faith, community, and his desire to live a purposeful life that Alan decided to fight trauma with poetry. His battle with his traumatic experiences inspired him to write his first book, a collection of poems titled can I speak? Alan, Alan went from being a college dropout in 2012 to returning to college in 2016 
to complete his degree in electrical engineering technology from University of North Carolina, Charlotte, in 2020. At the end of his senior year, Allen was hired by one of the leading technology companies in the world, IBM, as a software support professional. He's the host and creator of the Purpose Board podcast and has interviewed over 70 professionals who are living with a purpose. Allen is known for his passion to inspire others to live a purposeful life after experiencing trauma. His motto is never stop, never quit, repeat. Let's uh, get into my conversation with Alan for the second time. Enjoy the show. So I am back with um, an individual that was already on the show before, and we did not finish that conversation. He holds the record of having the longest conversation on this show since since we launched on August 8th, three hours and 27 minutes. And uh, my spirit at, at the time told me that we should press pause and come on a part two. So I'm back again with Alan. And uh, it's been uh, almost uh, three weeks since we last spoke. So Alan, how are you doing, sir? You are, you are. What's up, brother? I'm so glad to be back. Thank you. Uh, The longest... <laughs> My wife would probably joke and be like, yeah, of course he would have the longest podcast. The dude's a talker. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, man, you are. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, just so thankful uh, to have met you uh, virtually. And um, I've told so many people about you and like just, yo, this dude's an awesome interviewer. Like, so I'm definitely talking you up. I appreciate it. And thanks for the people that you already introduced me to. So uh, yes, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mention their names, actually. Nathaniel and Mike Hill. Yeah, and Daniel Bryant, Mike I'm, Hill. Yeah, thank you very much for this introduction to those two people. Yes, sir. So today's uh, segment, what I wanted to do was the first segment where we had our conversation, there were three main uh, pillars in, the, in that conversation. There was your military mm -hmm. career. Oh, by the way, guys, let me just tell you guys, um, I got schooled by Alan. Alan, Alan notified me that um, <laughs> we shouldn't, people don't refer to guys in the Marine as ex-Marine. Yeah. always a marine a marine is always a marine and basically other branches of the military can be referred to as x so i was like okay <laughs> that is that is basically free tuition so i would like alan to please school us first on why the marine doesn't like the terminology x yeah i just feel like x um separates you from who you are you know x x boyfriend you're no longer the boyfriend mm. right that's but true, uh ex-marine you know says that like oh he used to be but no i still am every day i'm uh i serve my country whether i have to get into action or not you know so um but yeah that marine corps uh thing you'll always see marine corps stickers on cars especially if they're marine you'll see it um but yeah once a marine always a marine hmm. all right so let me just ask one more question here before we start uh, the conversation really mm -hmm. why can we refer to other branches of the military as X, but not the Marine, if I may ask? Uh, I, I would say, uh, to my best of knowledge, it's because the other guys are Navy. Uh, you know, you go in the Navy, you become a sailor. You go in the Air Force, you become an airman. You go in the Army, you become a soldier. And once you leave those things, you're no longer uh, uh, those things, right? But I think when you when you become a Marine... You're all you're always a Marine. Uh, these people uh, who join other branches. I mean, like, I, I won't say like they they don't say, oh, yeah, I'm I'm a soldier and they don't like to be called ex soldier because, you know, 
because I don't want to I don't want to go out there and people come out here and try to try to get me because, oh, they're uh, uh, army or navy. Um, but to my knowledge, you know, we just don't like to be called ex-Marines because it signifies that you are no longer a part of that. But it's a lifelong brotherhood. I think uh, the lesson here for you, the audience listening to this conversation is when you just meet anybody that is in the military, don't use the word ex yeah. as a prefix. Just address them as as if they are still in the present. Yeah, so exactly. uh, thank you. Very, thank you very much, Alan, for that school. <laughs> so <laughs> no um, if you if you haven't listened to the first conversation, I would really encourage you to do so. Uh, Alan told us about his military career. Uh, how he came out from the military and suffering from PST, P PTSD, mm -hmm. how he almost was very close to committing suicide in his apartment in Virginia. Most importantly, his encounter with the law twice when he first was a teenager and when he now became an adult. So for today's conversation, I want to almost look at it like I want to term this, if I may, and I hope I, I have his permission to call it the redemption. Mm. So... Alan, you you have cut all these things that you shared with us in our first conversation. Mm -hmm. When did you start to see the lights? Like when did things start to add up? When did how did you get your life back on track? Yeah. So the the true story in this <laughs> is um because it was it was ugly, you know, in the middle of the the waiting period. I call the I call it the wilderness, you know, in this in this place of my life. I can look back and say I was in the wilderness. You know, the wilderness is when you're still um, in the presence of God. Uh, but, you know, uh, the resources are slim. You know, you, you, you're running holes in your shoes and, you know, you got to ask for bread from heaven, you know, because you don't have no bread in your refrigerator. I was in that place. Um, but there was a time where I was uh, I was in school and you know, I had dropped out of school in Virginia. And my buddy, he invited me um, to the church and to get prayer, you know, I think I mentioned that, you know, getting yeah. prayer and the pastor prophesied, yeah. right? So that that moment right there, um, you know, getting back to, you know, my upbringings in a sense, you know, the way my grandmother, my father, my parents raised me um, back to my, my roots, um, you know, getting back to that, it opened the door for me to see that I don't have to stay the same way. Uh, I thought, you know, as somebody going through PTSD and depression, um, you just think that this is your life. Like there's no other side. But going back to faith, uh, it just instilled in me that, uh, you know, that God's plans are bigger and better. Um, and then, you know, I'll say it in this in that context, because that was my mindset at the time that God's plan is bigger and better. So let me pursue a relationship with God um, through Christianity and it ended up being the thing that I needed at that time mm, in terms of your healing in terms of my healing yeah okay so I think you went to school in North Carolina correct the last school I went to yes UNC Charlotte in North Carolina was that you now live in Virginia and live in that environment because you had your boys there and your boys were maybe they were not the right crew or the right group of friends and you decided for a fresh start, I'm going to go to North Carolina and start off and then you became uh, an, an electrical engineer. Is, is, mm. is, is that is that correct? So how did you find yourself Almost. in North Carolina? Almost, but uh, it wasn't so magical. I mean, it was magical, I guess. I, I could say it was more magical, uh, more than just my friends um, because, 
yeah, I, I had, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time uh, with my friends, even though I was going through stuff and I was, I was, I was like, when I said I enjoyed my time, I was hitting the club all the time with my friends <laughs> and I was enjoying my time. Like I was in my young twenties and like, it was just, that was life at the moment. And it was what I needed. Um, you know, it wasn't at this age. I, I wish I would have had more knowledge about finances and different things so that I could have better prepared myself in life. But at that moment in time, my friends were what I needed. Uh, but then I needed to move on. And um, yeah, like things started to shake, like people started to move. Relationships started to uh, tether a little bit. And um, then God started to speak. So uh, this guy, uh, Jordan Smith, he was at the church and he came behind. So at this moment in time, my friend was moving to D.C. to go to law school. The guy I was living with, my boy, uh, he was going to law school in D.C. and he was leaving hold a second, Virginia. Hold a second. Hold a second. Remember, remember you went in, in part one. You told us the story that you were living with a group of guys. Yeah. So you said I used to one of those guys had his head right and was going to law school. Yeah, exactly. My boy. <laughs> I didn't even know the dude was, I didn't even know he was getting his master's at this time. I was like, I didn't know. Cause when I met him, I thought he was getting his bachelor's the same as my, same as I, until I found out, Oh man, this dude was getting his master's. And like, he was working like three jobs and like at the court at Costco. And, like he was just working, hustling and he was partying with us, you know? um, So he was doing his thing um, because he wanted to go to law school and he did it, you know, and he became an attorney. Like he, he, he's done that. And um, he has his own, uh business and he's getting he's into estates uh estate planning and stuff so he he it worked out like i'm glad he did that because he got out of this whirlwind that we were in right and then him leaving caused my world to shake because now i needed to go somewhere and i did not know where i was going to go you i i stayed at my homeboy's house who who had lived with us him and his girl uh had got a place and they had time for me to live with them until his mother moved in town. Um, and everything worked out like a chain effect. Like I was, I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't want to go back to South Carolina. And my boy was like, yo, you can stay with us for, I want to say it was like a month or so, a month or two months or three months. And, you know, he, his mother came in town. And when his mother came in town, I just connected with his neighbor, Obi. Obi was an air, Obi, Obi is an airman. He's in the Air Force. And he was a neighbor with my boy. I would uh hang out with Obi. We would smoke our cigars, play, you know, some cards and stuff. And there was there was a moment one day when I had time and I was sitting outside with this guy, Obi, and he started talking to me about his family, what he was going through with his kids and different things. And we really connected spiritually and I prayed for him. And that prayer gave us a deeper connection. So when it was time for me to move from my friend's house, Obi was like, hey, man, I deploy in a month. You can stay here in my spare bedroom. Right. Um, so I, I, I had a place to stay right after my friend's mom came in. I moved next door to Obi's, uh, uh, house and I was able to live there for a month. Now, when this so, month was coming, huh? Sorry, sorry to press pause. What about Obi's family that he was talking to you about? That's what he started the conversation with when you guys were playing cards and smoking cigars. Yeah, we, we, it was, it was just something like with his kids and he was going through a difficult time at that, at that point in time. And, um, at that, but, but the the kids were not living in that house. They were not living with him. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, it was okay. just, that's what, it was just what... him in that place. Yeah. He was separate okay. from his kids okay. and stuff. So, okay. but yeah, 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 he was just talking to me about his situation. And, um, you know, from there at that point in my life, I was like, okay, you want to pray? You know? And I was just offered, that was the best thing I had to offer people. I didn't have no money. I didn't have nothing. I, you want to pray? So I prayed with him and that prayer was very deep. And, uh, you know, God spoke to me, I would say 
and it he needed whatever I what I prayed for and what I said during that prayer. Um, we call it prophecy, right? Um, so that right there opened the door for me to go to his house. Uh, so within that time frame of me being there and, and he's about to deploy, this is what I'm saying, like God is just working things out because Jordan comes to me at the church. Jordan is a college student at the time. He's about to graduate and move with the ministry. They're going to plan a ministry in Charlotte. Um, I heard them talking about it, but I was like, me, ministry, nah, I don't want to mess nothing up, right? I'm going to go over there, wild boy, right? I don't think they want that. Um, so I didn't, I I wasn't thinking that I was going to go. There were times when I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go. Um, but overall, Jordan came to me um, after church and he was like, hey, man. He was like, man, God put you on my heart when I was praying last night. He showed me your face. Like while I was praying, I had a vision of your face. And I heard the Lord speak to me and say, ask him to move with you to Charlotte. <laughs> right. So he told me this UI at the point where I am about to have to figure out my next move um, and the clock is running out. So when he told me that I broke down crying, you know, and I, I was just like, man, God is just showing himself again. Like the time when I said what they, they gave me money during that time. Right. So, um. Yeah. So that's how I got to Charlotte. It was it was because, you know, I saw that opportunity and it seemed like God's favor. And dude, he was like, yo, man, when you get there, don't worry about a job. Don't worry about anything. God is going to take care of you. He's like, God already showed me um, that he's going to he's going to provide for you. You're going to meet your wife down there like it's going to be it. And I'm telling you, it played out that way. It played out. I met my wife in Charlotte. I, I started I helped ministry in Charlotte. I got my my first job. After getting out of the military since 2011, it took till 2014 um, to get a job, you know, and Three and I years. got that. Three years, bro. Yeah. Three years of basically skimping on other people's largesse, I guess, or people's yeah. graciousness. Graciousness. Yeah. The favor of God on my life. I, I, they, would, they would call it the favor of God on my life. But now I really I call I. I wouldn't want to call it favor of God on my life because there's so many people who don't get out of that situation. And it's so nasty for me to just say the favor of God on my life. You know what I'm saying? Because it you really got to sit back and think like it didn't have to play out like that. So whatever it is, God's God's plan for my life, uh, you know, I was able to visually see it um, because I had not been dead yet. Um, I had time to see the plan uh, unfold for my life. Mm-hmm. So that 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 first job you got after three years in 2014, now that you're in Charlotte, if I may ask, was it still like a valet parking job you were doing in Virginia or was it like mm-hmm. a proper job that was now starting to pay the bills? Well, I stepped up from the parking lot, dog. I stepped up from the, <laughs> I stepped up from the parking lot and I ended up in a store <laughs> and I was uh, working in a denim store, like jeans, selling jeans, shirts at this store called Buckle. It was like a Western store. Actually, it's not even like urban. It's Western, um, you know, and I, I got my first job as an assistant manager and just the title. The title was what got me. I was in an unemployment office filling out applications in Charlotte and I was nonstop. I think it was the last job application I filled out. And right. And so when I filled out the application, it was like the lady was like, hey, you got five minutes. I was like, man, look, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Please. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's this assistant manager job. Like, I really want it. I just wanted it because the title was assistant manager, ma- assistant to the manager. Right. Uh, so I was like, this got to be good. Um, you know, and I love working with people. I'm good with people. So I filled it out. The manager hit me up 
um, the, like the next couple of days. And he was like, hey, man, I'm flying in, moving to Charlotte. Um, the store is empty, but let's interview inside of the store, you know, and I'm like, OK. So me and Tyson, we stood up talking, interviewing inside of this empty store that he was about to open. And uh, he was like, you're hired. Like he, he gave me the position as assistant manager. So I went from assistant manager there at Buckle to men's warehouse selling soups as assistant manager. Um, you know, and then while I was at a uh, men's warehouse, I was like, I want to go back to school. And that's when that transition happened into college. Mm. And, and, uh, you chose, uh, UNC state, UNC Charlotte, UNC Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. All University right, because... of North Carolina at Charlotte. There's a couple of UNC's, right? There's, there's a couple of UNC's. Um, there's one, uh, there's a, U there's a North Carolina state here in Raleigh. But yeah, you, you the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Oh, okay. And and you were an electrician when you were in the military. Yeah. Is that what made you say I want to take something degree-wise still in the electrical field as well? Yeah, I was just thinking like practic practical. It wasn't like my passion um because I was that's a brain buster. Like engineering is a brain buster and I'm not a brain. I'm not I don't that's not my area. I'm an artist. I'm you know, I I I'm on the artsy side. So now I have to tap into this this engineering, the scientific side. Um and it was a struggle ever since I was dropping out of school in 2011 after getting back from war, right? I I tried engineering, it wasn't working, and now at this point I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I'm a failure. And she's like, Alan, you're not a failure. Like you just, you, you went through something like a lot of us never go through, you know, and she was sitting down talking to me, you, you know, like you have, do you have benefits? Do you have enough benefits to go back to college? And I was like, I think I do. And so I had just enough benefits to start college. And then with my disability in the Marine Corps from my traumatic brain injury and PTSD, I had an I was able to get a rating that could get me back into school and finish up my degree. So it was all like it was there. And all I had to do was go um, in my first my first semester. UI, I got put on academic probation, bro. <laughs> academic, bro. I was 2.0. That's a 2.0 out of a 4.0. Um, I was right there at the borderline about to drop. And they had to put me in this rebound program at UNC Charlotte. And pretty much if I were to leave that reboot or rebound program and fail another class, I was going to get kicked out of school. Um, wow. So it wasn't all peach and, peaches and cream when I first started college. So when you when you were now at UNC Charlotte, what program did you pick? Since engineering is not like is a brain buster to you. Yeah, I, I picked electrical engineering technology. And so it's so there's the electrical engineering, which I was trying at uh, Old Dominion University in Virginia and these other colleges. Um, I did not hear about electrical engineering technology until I got to UNC Charlotte. And I heard a couple of people talking. They were like, hey, man, well, if you are more practical and you need hands on, you know, stuff. Um, do the technology side um, of electrical engineering. Um, but electrical engineering is like the whole is those are like the project managers and all those people like this big it's big scope, you know, um, engineering technology, your hands on. Let's build this microphone and, you know, let's put these microprocessors or do, you know, put these resistors and transistors and all these, you know, like let's let's use these components right here. And it made more sense to me because I'm an electrician. I can wire a building. I can run from the panel to the out. Well, you know, like I could do that. Um, so, yeah, it made more sense. And it was more um, practical 
to do that. Uh, yeah. My wife brought Lola up. Bad, like, this the wrong timing. I, I, I told her 30 minutes ago to bring the bring my daughter up, and she just brought her up. It's well, okay. Though. I mean, your, your, your daughter is part of your life because you're now the father, which is something yeah. I wanted to talk about as well on this episode. So yeah. um, why don't we give uh, Lola a minute, and uh, we'll be back. Come here. So um, Alan had to be a father for a minute. The daughter <laughs> needed his attention. So we had a little <laughs> bit of a baby moment. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, she couldn't say a few words on the show because she's 11 <laughs> months old. Yeah. But I, I, ironically, that was a segment I wanted to get into. But let's finish on the electrical and engineering, engineering technologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you now figured out that that was a better stream for you because you're already very good with your hands and you've yeah. been electric. When did you know that you had this thing of you being an electrician prior to joining the, the Marines? Were you was your father an electrician or stuff? Nah, man, that was my like boot or after boot camp, you go to MCT Marine Combat Training and then you go to your uh, military occupation uh, school. Um, You know, so I went to my my school for I became an electrician based on my scoring and then I had to choose a job, you know, before I went to boot camp. And that was the job that I qualified for. I couldn't do like Intel. I would have loved to been like Intel because I got to do that in Baghdad. Right. Um, But my score, my ASVAB wasn't as high. Um, you know, so it's not, and the ASVAB is so crazy because, you know, when you're coming out of, when you're in high school and let's say you're not a great test taker or somebody who studies well, or, you know, like you don't know your, your strengths. Um, you know, I can see that's why I didn't do too great on the ASVAB. Um, but me graduating college just shows me, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I had to go back to college because I was like, am I, am I dumb? Am I stupid? You know, um, can I not get this? Uh, you know, so that's why this it was a challenge to me. I wanted to do this and I didn't want to break my back by doing electrical engineering and just completely lose sight and hope of graduating uh, college. So I was like, you know what, I'll do electrical engineering technology and I'm just going to I'm going to finish it. Um, and that's what I did. Hmm, I see. So the electrical engineering technology program in UNC Charlotte, is it a four year mm-hmm. program or a two year program? Four year. Oh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. There was something you said when you were now in Charlotte, you were at Men's Warehouse and you were kind of doubting yourself and your girlfriend, who I believe is now your wife, mm-hmm. spoke some positiveness into your life. I want to come to your family life. How, how, how did you meet your girlfriend and what, what gave you the conviction that this might be your wife? Yeah. So the funny thing. So I said I want the buckle right? To be an assistant manager, right? Mm -hmm. So the cool thing was I got my first job, my first job in Charlotte. I'm working and I'm folding jeans (laughs) and I see this young lady walk by and I was talking to my buddy at work and I was like, like, it just hit me. Like when when I saw her, like my heart kind of like leaped in a sense, right? Um, And I was like, hey, miss, I like your dress, right? She had on this like blue little uh, not little but like this long blue dress or whatever and i just i just saw the i saw a blue dress i didn't really see her i just saw her moving and like it just caught she, my eyes she came she came into the store or she, she was, was in walking the mall by. area she's in the mall walking by on the phone okay. she was walking real fast and um i was like hey i like your dress and she kept walking and i was like bro she's a jerk you know like he was like maybe she didn't hear you i was like nah she heard me you know and uh <laughs> and i was like she heard me you know, but he's like, no, nah, maybe she didn't hear you or whatever. And maybe she's in a rush. And so, like, I was like, whatever. 
So I'm like still up there folding jeans and she comes back like a couple of minutes later and she was like, hey, I'm sorry. I was picking up my check. She's like, what did you say? I said, like, oh, I said, I like your dress. You're very beautiful. Um, Alan, I would love to take you out sometime. Let's go, you know, let's go on a date or something. And she was like, oh, I'm kind of busy. Got got a couple of things going on. And um, so I was like, well, just take my number, you know, so I just gave her my number and she hit me up like a couple of weeks later. And um, we ended up hanging out at this neighborhood park. <laughs> it was like they had a, a picnic table and some swings and we were sitting outside UI and I was talking to her and like we had very I, see, I'm a deep. I love deep conversations. We had a very deep conversation and it was like I was like, oh, this is different. I like her. Um, and then it just went from there. And I swear we didn't even date that long. Like it was probably like a year and a half or so um, when I proposed. Um, wow. and then, you know, you, and then you take the ministry aspect of like, okay, well you're dating. And I was really into ministry, like at that time when I moved there. So I wasn't trying to, uh, just, we, their temptation was there, right? Like we, we, she was a virgin. Um, I was somebody who wasn't, and the temptation was there for us to do it. Right. The temptation was, you know, while we're dating, you know, uh, you know but we tried to, we really tried and tried and tried and we did get through it. You know, um, and then, you know, so you 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 see that. And I, I saw how she was as a person. I was like, man, this is this is my wife. You know, even though my my mind and my heart was still trying to figure out, like, who I was, uh, the spiritual side of me just understood who she was in my life. And can I, I got to say this real quick about this, um, because before I left Virginia, uh, before I talked to Jordan behind the church, when he asked me to move with them to Charlotte, I was at Barnes and Noble leading a Bible study. Um, this Bible study was just people from the streets, right? Like I said, the homeless people and just random people. This lady came up to me and said, um, she was this like, young the, man. This is the Barnes and Noble right beside the strip. No, no, no. This is no, this is the Barnes. Oh, so I, I think I, I think I mentioned Barnes and Noble. We we were yeah, oh, we pray for a guy. Yeah, yeah we pray yeah, for yeah, a guy yeah. outside. We pray for his knee. So that was yes. But this was yes. a, so this was in Hampton. So yeah, the Barnes and Noble. There was a lady inside. I don't did I share this? I said there was a lady inside the Barnes and Noble who who wanted who prophesied to me about my wife. Did I no. say I didn't say nothing? Okay, cool. No, you didn't, so, you didn't tell us that. So I was I was doing Bible studies in uh, Virginia, and I would have homeless people there. And this lady, she uh, was listening and she said, hey, young man, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. She said, um, I want to share with you what God showed me about you. And I was like, OK, you know, and, and she was like, God is going to God says he's going to take you down the East Coast. So I'm on the East Coast of the United States. Right. So she said, God said, I'm on Virginia. Virginia's on the East. Uh, God's going to take you down the East Coast and he's going to give you a ministry larger than Billy Graham. Billy Graham is this big time evangelist you know who, preacher who right know, yeah know. right who doesn't know yeah. billy graham worldwide i didn't i didn't i really didn't know much about his ministry but i heard the name right um but she said god wants to give you a ministry larger than B billy graham's and you're going to have a lot of followers and god is going to got people are going to uh pay to have you come speak um at different places and at this point in time you are i was not a motivational speaker or a speaker in general i was just this guy right um, and I was like, OK, you know, and she was like, she was like, and also God says he's going to give you a wife uh, for the journey and she's going to be silent like a pillar and she's going to be strong. Um, and, you know, God is going to have her go with you to these places. And um, and surely enough, when I met my wife and I was and while she was my girlfriend and I started seeing this quiet, silent pillar 
and a pillar is so strong, but nobody really knows it's there, right? Mm. A pillar is there holding the building up, and and everybody's walking by the pillar, and nobody sees the pillar. Everybody sees the building, and that's what the representation was. When I saw it, I was like, okay, my wife, she is not a spotlight person. Like I told you, she don't like the camera, you know. So, I have, <laughs> I have, I have gone through your pictures on Instagram. I've not seen one picture of her yet. Yeah, yeah, you probably, I probably, there's one up there. You are, come on, there's now. one there's probably got to be one up there. <laughs> no, really, no, I, 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 yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I, down I, don't, I don't know. I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying, yeah. like, she's, yeah, she's, she's really she's, probably, she's private. She doesn't like when I, if I put it, I might put it in the stories because she won't see it or something. You know, I might just put it up there. Like, <laughs> I do have a picture hours. I'm gonna post soon. It's a it's a picture from this uh, tea party she's gonna let me post. But overall, um, my wife like she has been that strong person in my life for me. You know, um, the person that's given me wisdom, uh, sent me back to school through her words of encouragement. So um, yeah, I was glad that I took that opportunity from Buckle to speak to her. Um, you know, and I would say afterward, you know, like. There's there's plenty of women in the world, right? And I struggle with that. I, I struggle with that, bro. There's plenty of women in the world that I struggle with that. Um, and I never really thought like, oh, Alan Simmons is gonna settle down. Um, and it's taken me so much time to mature as a husband. You know, um, since 2016, I've matured so much. Um, mm-hmm. and it prepared me to be the guy that I am today. And she. Uh, told me you're not going to have a baby with me until you graduate college and i'm glad she said that uh you know because she you said are, that to you she did she was like we're not having wow. kids until you graduate college and i was like yo i'm gonna be 30 years old what you talking about you know and she was like i don't care like you gotta like get a job <laughs> so i'm I, i'm really i was mad and that caused a lot of like arguments you know um in the beginning because i was somebody who was really passionate about becoming a father now that after everything i've been through i'm like now i'm doing it right why can't i do it now um but i'm really glad that we waited until after i graduated college and i got a job and you know i'm doing my thing now so it's it's a blessing to have a smart uh woman and uh she's not so spiritual you know um she's very different than i am um and that's that's the beautiful part about this hmm. Okay, so we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back on the other side and I'm going to ask you how it is like being a father because okay. I was pri- I was privileged enough to just see your baby. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you how that experience is because I look forward to um, experiencing it myself in a couple of years. Yeah, So yes, we'll, we'll be back with Alan. Okay. So Alan was uh, telling us that his wife gave him an ultimatum that they were not going to welcome a human being into this world if he didn't uh, put some things in order. Mm-hmm. So my question is, you you dated her for one year and a half before you guys decided to get married. Mm-hmm. What Was there also a time lag before you guys welcomed uh, your first child into your lives? After graduation? No. W- one year and a half was when you guys dated and then you mm-hmm. guys got married, I, I take it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was there, was there a time period uh, a lag period before your your first child came into your lives because you she wanted you to still put some things in order. Yeah, because I had to finish school, so I still had. Even though I did like two years of school in Virginia, I had to do another four years of school in Charlotte uh, to start my degree. Even though I had already taken some core classes already, uh, so I started school in 2016. Uh, you know, and I got married 2016. 
So I got married in May. I started school in fall, in the fall, in the August uh, time frame in uh, 2016. So, uh, yeah. And your daughter is not up to a year old. So that means you guys had your baby 2021. Yeah, we just had her last year. Yeah. And uh, so that November. means you guys stayed. You guys got married for five years before the before this this prophecy that she told you came to yeah. pass. Yeah, exactly, exactly. How was how was that for you? Considering you always wanted to have a child because yeah. of how you said you are. So for five years, yeah. Did that five years? Did you guys use that five years to really get to know one another and build your for a solid foundation between the two of you before you bring this distraction? Sorry to say, which is also, <laughs> nah, which, is, which, which, which is, which is also an, an addition. But let's be honest, it is. If, the, if the foundation is not strong, yeah, that that baby can, yeah, the baby could yeah. the baby could ruin everything. Um, yeah, and it's not the baby's fault, but it's just like like you said, the foundation. If a foundation is weak, um, anything placed on it, whether good or bad, <laughs> can can break it. Right. But um, yeah. So 2016, you know, I start school, we get married and I have this in my mind already. OK, I can't have a baby until now. I'm thinking about it is 2020. Right. Because it's I got four years of college. I got to do four years of college. Bam. Um, 2020 came pandemic. Right. <laughs> you got a pandemic happening. So the job. You know, so now you got to talk about, okay, well, my graduation, I think we got pushed back and I graduated in um, like, a, I think in January or whatever, but we finished school in December, graduated in like January. Um, and then my job started in January, uh, January 19th. And so around that time, you know, we were like, okay, now, you know, we got a new place, new spot, you know, we're taking out the birth control thing and, um, <laughs> You know, and then, you know, we're going to try, you know, so we tried for a while. Right. But I do think that, you know, setting that foundation uh, during those uh, 2016 till 2020 after graduating college, you know, there was the, the the hiccups. There were the disagreements. There were the are we going to make it? There were <laughs> there were, the, you know, there were the moments. Right. Because marriage isn't you know, I don't know how many people have these like everyday you score 100 out of 100 in your marriage or relationship, but there's always this, these moments of tension sometimes because you're two different people, two different lifestyles, two, two different desires. Right. Um, but I would say that I've, I've made the, I've made the marriage more difficult uh, because of my PTSD, because of my um, anxiety, because of my past, um, you know, and she was patient. And she stuck by my side. Uh, so, you know, I, I I am more thankful today um, than the day that we got married. You know, like it's you could look back and say, OK, we were we thought, you know, we were in love. You know, it was it was there. We still didn't know what we were doing, but, you know, we wanted we wanted to do that. But now it's like, OK, it, it's it's clear, you know, because we've we stood the test of time. Right. The fire. And, and, and that's what I appreciate and value about having this wife right here mm, wow gee so how is it like being a father your 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 dream has finally My happened dream. the the, re <laughs> the reason why i joined the marine corps finally happened right oh and, yes oh right. my god come to think right. about it i didn't even think yeah. i didn't even think about that yeah yeah the reason why i joined the marine corps finally happened and i i'm so grateful that it happened now instead of in 2007 uh, because that's 13, 14 years, you know, like, 
I was young. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was about to be a young dad. And I mean, I probably would have been spanking my baby, you know, with, with the mindset that I had growing up from South Carolina, growing up the way I did. And my, when my daughter came of age and she started doing stuff, I would have probably been spanking her had I had a baby in 2007. But now I've matured. I've seen like, okay, maybe, you know, I got my wife that says, you know what? We're not going that route. I don't care what you, how you grew up. You ain't beating my baby. <laughs> right. Like I, my wife, my wife is like, like I said, she's quiet, but she's strong. Right. So, um, and I'm glad she said that. I'm glad she said, Hey, look, we got to do things different. You're not disciplining like that. You got to use your words and you got to figure out another way to discipline. Um, so I'm glad that she said that. And, you know, um, but being a dad right now at 33, going on 34 next month, um, is a blessing. It is not even just the end. I've now thought about like, man, like how can I live today to make sure that my daughter has the best life possible if I die before her, t- before the time, before the time that I dream of dying at 99,000 years old, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, getting life insurance, um, you know, because being a father isn't just like, oh, how do you feel? It's about what are you doing? How are you how are you how are you establishing your establishing your family? How are you bringing in income and um, not just being the head of the family by being a male, but by leading your family, by pressing through a stressful job that I, I press through every day um, and and still try to be the. The most vulnerable soft person in the house as a man you know like i've, I've that's what i want to be i want to be the soft man in in my household i have no reason to be hard in my house right i have no reason to be tough in my house so uh just being a dad has taught me that my daughter she she deserves someone to treat her as if she has she knows nothing about the world and that's what she does know she knows nothing about the world and i'm this this guy now that my ptsd isn't ruling me um, so I'm just so grateful for a lot of things that have changed over my life or uh, in my life, you know, from the past um, that are different than uh, today, you know, because of my wife, because of my journey, because of my faith. Uh, and now because of my daughter, um, she just shows me every day that every day is new. You know, there's always something new to learn. There's always a new way to love. Um, so that's what she teaches me. How, how are you? presently with your uh i don't want to use the word battle but your progression with uh, the ptsd and the mental health traumas that you experienced after war i'd say the the gun is no longer pointed at me um you know and it's no longer pointed at my loved ones either figuratively on that part you know um because you know when you're going through the ptsd you you want to do it alone you know you want to be alone you want to be in your own little shell Nobody will understand. But uh, I feel like now um, there's PTSD, right? Um, I, I battle every day at work with <laughs> the because the, I have a very high intense uh, job as a support person, you know, dealing with different customers for IBM, helping customers solve their uh, software issues, uh, troubleshooting and, you know, debugging and all that stuff. Right. Um, and that's different than electrical, as you could tell. Uh <laughs> You know, but um, I think now today I am way better. You know, um, I still have anxiety. I still feel like anything could happen, but I have control over that. You know, I'm not 
having my gun walking around my house, but I do have a weapon. I have concealed carry and I, I am now controlling who I am versus being controlled by what I've been through. Mm, basically, you're more proactive now than being reactive. Exactly. What what kind of tools are you have you adopted to to be this person now that if someone's listening to this and probably suffering from whatever mental health definition that or label mm-hmm. that has been put out there, what kind of tools have you used that has helped you? Well, the number one tool from where I stand now, I have to say from where I stand now, because uh, you know, years ago I would point straight to Christianity. Um, because that's what a, that will that was there for me. Um, but it was it wasn't there for me in a, I gotta say this, it wasn't there for me in a sense of I wasn't struggling. Um I wasn't going through different things, battling my demons, as they would say. Uh, but it was it was there for me the way I needed it because it was familiar, right? It was something I grew up with and I, I knew I knew this God, right? I knew the relationship that people spoke about, so it helped me. But a lot of people aren't religious or sp- spiritual. So I would, number one, say for everybody that is, is universal is to write down your feelings, right? Uh, I think number one is to write down your feelings because when you think about stuff, it, it bounces like the little ping pong. Bing, 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 bing. It just bounces in your head, right? When you're thinking like, oh, man, I'm depressed. I'm, I feel suicidal. It's like bouncing. But when I started writing and for me, writing poetry helped me. Um, so I started writing poetry and I was like, wow, all of this darkness is inside of me. I saw that I was in my anxiety was bad. I saw that I was fearful of death. I saw that I was wrestling with a bunch of demons. Right. And I didn't know who I was. So step two, I would say after you recognize what you're battling with, find out who you are, because who you are is who's going to be fighting majority of this fight. Right. Um, If you don't know who you are, then your doubt will control you. Your fears will lead you. Right. Um, But when you find out, you know what? I am Alan Simmons from Somerville, South Carolina. My mother left when I was four. Like accepting all of those things that you call flaws, you know, and the voids. I saw my friend die at the age of 12. Uh, my grandmother died in 2001, like accepting all of that darkness, because those were things you I that was that I considered darkness. I survived the RPG blast. I was shot at by the Taliban. I had traumatic brain injury. I feel anxiety. I feel depressed. I feel angry. Bam. I got it all written down. Now who I am, it can manifest because those things are no longer silencing the person that is trying to live. Um, and that's what those things do. And I'll say the last thing or the third thing is to get support, find support, whether it be through religion, whether it be through your friends, um, whether it be through meditation, uh, find support. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing is be resilient. Um, never give up. Right. That never stop. Never quit. Repeat. Like be resilient. Even if you fail, you are not a failure. Be resilient. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I saw a story you posted on your Instagram, and I've kind of, kind of, re- I always regurgitated sometimes, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll tell the audience what it was. You were walking down the woods, mm-hmm. and you had your phone with you, mm-hmm. and it's as if you you whipped out your phone and said, "I, I got to share this." And you said, "Anxiety comes about because you're thinking about the future." 
Mm-hmm. Depression comes up because you're thinking of the past. So guess what? Live in the present. Right. Exactly. And I was like, I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because I remembered in 2021 when yeah. I was having anxiety attacks, my anxiety attacks was I'm losing my business. Mm. My, my clients are leaving. Mm-hmm. How will I be able to pay these bills and mm-hmm. and this lifestyle that I've created for myself? Most importantly was the lifestyle because I love freedom. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> the, right. The, the, the fact that I have to now wake up at six o'clock and do mm-hmm. what everybody does, where mm-hmm. I actually do, I live my life where the way anti the way everybody does i go to bed at six seven in the morning because yeah. during the night that's my time you know that's your I'm time just, right I, i'm i'm working i'm eating i'm watching mm-hmm. msnbc i'm doing my thing yeah. and then at six o'clock i just feel as if all the houses in north america their showers are going off <laughs> because they're they're taking they're taking a shower to go to work right and mm-hmm. i'm actually crawling into bed at that time yeah so i think that's that's where the anxiety came from and it's 2022 september i'm still here yeah. i'm still managing that same business yeah so if i if i didn't think of the future too much when things mm-hmm. were going all haywire mm-hmm. i would have the anxiety attack right so when i went when i saw that in your instagram uh story i was like that's very i mean i remember i even told my girlfriend about that like because if you think about it depression is people get depressed because yeah. they're thinking of the past yeah just yep. it's it's already gone i mean I let it be should have died could have died that could have happened the could have the could have are left in the past, right? Like the could have, I could have went to college. Like that, that thing right there made me depressed. I could have graduated already. All my friends went to college in 2007. I could have been done in 2011. Like the could have, you know, you, you know, you're saying like, I, could, I, you know, uh, I, how am I going to pay this? My clients are leaving. Like this, that's the anxiety, right? The future, like, oh, these things are unfolding. I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy because I don't know what the future is going to look like. Right? Mm, yeah. I don't know what it's going to look like. Like, the way things are going now, if, if, if let's think about a tub being filled with water and, you know, you push a little hole in it, you know, and you've told yourself that this tub is going to stay full. Right. That's certainty. And we should never have certainty in our lives. Right. Because the business. Right. Your clients. You, we should never say the clients that I have today are going to be the same clients in a year. Right. Because that 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 certainty is going to set us up for anxiety. But being in the present says, this is what I have right now, right? Like, um, let's say you mentioned the two guests that you have coming on, right? Um, mm-hmm. from my network, and those were before you before you met me. Um, they weren't there, so you weren't worried about them, and now you didn't even have to worry about them when you met me because I had already was, you know, that it was already going to happen. So either way, like. If I if I persist, if I continue to move forward with what I'm doing, everything is going to work out and fall into place. And when it doesn't work out and fall into place, it doesn't mean that it's not working out. Right. So I just I just want people to really think about this UI because I, I don't want to push the success story and not highlight the fact that things go south in marriage. Things go south as a parent. Things go south as a son, a daughter, as a business owner, as a coworker, right? Things go south. But if you pull yourself out of this life that you are living and you you take another perspective and you say, I am experiencing this journey. This is an experience for me. So everything that you do is now an experience. It's an experience. So in an experience, you will feel the highs 
and you will feel the lows, but that does not define the overall experience. When you look back tomorrow at today, the experience of today says, man, that was a that was a wild day, but <laughs> I made it to I made it to today. Right. So if you if you know for a fact that I can push through this, I can get through this no matter how bad it is, I will make it to the other side. Don't worry about what the other side is going to look like. Do what you do now, like today at this very moment. Do it now. You know, it's funny you say that because when I launched this show, I kid you not, I did not know who who were going to be the guest. Mm hmm. <laughs> I honestly I honestly I didn't know because what typically happens when you start something like this you know this because you are mm -hmm. currently running Popo's Pod mm -hmm. is you go to your friends mm -hmm. and then you yeah. think you think you think your friends are going to come on the show and then your friends turn around and tell you man I I I don't know I'm not into public speaking man and then yeah. your 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 well is starting to run dry because the mm -hmm. people you had in mind are saying no to you yeah and then one person says yes and but the one mm -hmm. person that says yes is not your friend Mm -hmm. It's your friend's friend, right? Which in this case was Akim Haynes, mm -hmm. and then from there, Akim Haynes introduced you to me, right? So introduced you to me, yes, right? And then, and then, another friend said yes, and today, I don't want to tell the audience this, but I've I've actually had twenty eight people come on the show. Come on, you know, man. you know, come so on. so so you just start. Mm -hmm. And it's as if the heavens or something out there. Let me yeah. let me give the credit to God. Yeah, God just starts to say, "Okay, he took a first step. Now let me take my own first step, and and then our steps will meet. Yeah, and then five years from now, someone is gonna say, "You are is lucky." No, I wasn't lucky, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I put myself I put myself out there, and luck yeah. found me because I yeah. started. Yeah. So so it's 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 really really true. If you if you overthink this thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you will never ever starts yeah you'll run into a lot of issues you know and you are like so i've i've like i tell people i've been in this perplexed place uh as a human being because you know i i'm a christian and then i have people who are not christians i have friends who are muslims or buddhists or atheists Right. And I, I've like ob observed my life. Right. My life story and everything. And, you know, my wife, she we talk, like I said, my wife, she's not spiritual. Um, she's not Christian. Um, she was in the ministry. She was in church and, you know, had her own questions because she it was like the one way communication with her and God versus her husband. You know, I'm prophesying. I'm praying. I'm like, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me like I'm I'm saying these things. And I haven't even like stopped to think about like how these things come to be. You know, I just did the Christian thing and say, well, I'm favored and called by God. And that's why God is talking to me. And he's not talking to you because you're not about his work. You know, and uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking like that, you know, and um, <laughs> because because I was seeing, bro, you are, I was I was in McDonald's at Walmart with my boy Mike and we were praying for people. People are accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior in Walmart. We're praying for people for healing. And these things are happening. And then life is happening and you say well why did kendall die at 27 due to COVID? kendall was a man after god's own heart and kendall kendall did better than me i would say like i was a sinner i'm a, like i'm a believer doing reckless stuff 
and Kendall was was trying to do right, you know, and I'm like, it doesn't, I can't be favored by God in the sense of like, oh, um, God will spare my life. I had COVID twice. Kendall gets COVID once and he dies, right? So I went through this perplexed battle with my beliefs um, and, and, and my experiences, like saying, oh, you know, I was in Afghanistan and God spoke to me. And I had this battle of like, well, did God speak to me? <laughs> or did my my subconscious training that I did on the IED lane speak to me? And I, I had to go through this battle, the battle of with the gun in my mouth, finger, finger on the trigger, pills on my bed, Bible on the nightstand, paranoia tiptoeing through the hallway of my home. I was like, when I heard the voice say, who are you to take your own life because I brought you from the land of your enemy? I'm like having these battles of like, who said it? Right. Um, so I say this because for people who are listening and they are not Christians and they don't know God, they don't know a God. Um, it's OK to wonder where you should go because you are having a human experience and you may not have been brought up like myself or you are or anybody else out there. Um, you may not have the same life experiences that we have had, but there's something about uh, hope and faith and believing, you know, and I choose to still believe in God uh, because of the hope and the faith that I built over the years that s seemed to just be steady. You know, even when I was a failure and, and I say failure, like I didn't do the right thing all the time. Mm -hmm. God seems to still love me. So I try to tell people who are unbelievers is the Bible talks about it's better to fall into the hands of God than to fall into the hands of man. And when you think about that, it is better to fall into the hands of God than to fall into the hands of man. Meaning if man is persecuting you in the name of God, telling you you're worthless, telling you you're nothing, telling you that God doesn't love you, that is man talking to you. Have your own experience. And like I tell my wife, like you just have to continue to seek. However you choose to seek, meditate, whatever. And I, I would pray that God would reveal himself to you. You know, I say stuff like that and saying, well, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it. I'll say, look, hey, if that is something that you desire, um, because everybody desires this, the spiritual filler, um, which is which is God's spirit, because I mean, we're, we're practically living in a sense of hell because hell is a separation from God. You know, and on earth, we've been separated from God, but we have his spirit with us. Right. And uh, we have the option or the opportunity to have his spirit with us. So people who are out there, I just want you to understand, like, you may not be Christian, you may not be Muslim or Buddhist, uh, but there is still purpose for your life. Um, even if you're going through depression and, hey, I don't have a God to call on. Um, like I said, write, uh, meditate, just be in silence. And my prayer is that God will speak to whoever is listening to this and, and, and is seeking and is doubting um, that you will have that opportunity. I just had to I say this. I know. I, I think I, I think it's a very good segment to ask. Where did you get a leading in your spirit to become a motivational speaker and how did that whole how did how did that arena open up for you and how did that opportunity even come to you is because motivational speaker is not a career yeah is it? it's not a career <laughs> it's not you are, you know you are i like you know when you said it seemed like I, I cut on my phone and i just started speaking um i would do that when facebook you know this is like 2014 15 no, 2015 mainly when i first moved to charlotte i would always be on facebook 
uh, live and I would just be going over scripture, just giving like a word and motivating people one day, inspire people. And like somebody was like, man, you you ever thought about like, you know, being a motivational speaker? And I was like, nah, like I never thought about that. Like, why would I do that? I, my vocabulary is so small. Like, you know, like I don't have I don't have a big word bank dictionary uh, sitting around in my brain uh, to connect with these intellects. Um, I don't need to be a motivational speaker. But then that was the uh, identity crisis. Right. I, I felt like a, I would be a fraud, you know, if I went out there to motivational speak. Um, but it kept coming up and I and people would message me on Facebook. Man, Alan, I really enjoy that video you sent. Like I went back to my one. I had a guy tell me this. He said uh, that video you posted uh, or he was like the video you posted. And then I read your book and it was a part in there about uh this girl destiny who uh is having family issues he's like overall like i had to go back to my my ex and reconcile with her and make it like you know like so i was like man this is good like so people actually enjoy listening to me so i uh i was like well i can't necessarily just start getting paid to speak right i don't know right so i was like what do i do so while i was in charlotte i was like i'm gonna start i love brunch I love breakfast. Oh, oh my God. Oh Lord. Let me just tell you. Yeah. I love brunch. If I ever get okay. to meet you, please, we are going to a brunch spot. And it's not that. Yeah, we can hit up a brunch spot. It's, it's, there, it's, it's, it's probably I hope. I love IHOP's breakfast. Yeah. Especially those pancakes. Oh Lord. Yeah. And the egg the egg omelet. Oh. Oh yeah, you love the egg omelets, bro. I got oh. if you come to Raleigh, I got I got we got we got some nice stuff. Oh, we got a we got a chicken and waffle spot out here. Uh black on. It's real good. It's called um, what? It's uh it's called um uh Dang, you made me forget. It's a chicken and waffle spot. What's it called? What's it called? Hold on, give me a second. It'll come back to me after. It's finish. okay. All right. Yeah, but <laughs> I just want to just let you know. I yeah. totally feel you, man. I can eat yeah. breakfast any time in the day. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I just had a chicken and egg, chicken, chicken and sauce, or sausage and egg sandwich, uh, for lunch and stuff. That was so good. Oh, but yeah. um, yeah, but yeah, it's called a uh, Dame's Chicken and Waffle. That's what it's called, Dame's, Dame's. Chicken and Waffle. Yeah, Dame's. All right. But okay. um. You know, so I was like, okay, you know, I love me and my wife. We were out eating and uh, for brunch, and I saw a couple of girls. They had their hats on, you know, and they were dressed nice and stuff, and they was all chilling. And I was like, man, I was like, the, the fellas need something like that, right? So, I, you know, I had all these little pieces, right? That were all different pieces. There was brunch. There was women hanging out, uh, dressed up, and then there was me, uh, my desire to be a motivational speaker. So I was like, why don't I create my own platform? <laughs> Right. Uh, the best way to interview people is to create your own platform. Like you see. Right. Um, the the best way to network is to create your own platform. So I was like, I started. Uh, I called it brunch with ties. Right. And brunch with uh, ties. Brunch like with tie. ties. Yeah. Like a okay, tie, okay. like a tie around yeah, yeah. your neck. So, yeah, um, I started that had five guys show up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? It's laughable. I had five guys show up, and I was like, man, it's not exactly what I saw happening because I know a lot of people. I'm connected with a lot of people. I got a lot of homies. Like you said, people will be like, oh, you want you tell your friends and your family to come on your podcast, and they don't jump. They don't jump instantly. Um, but I, luckily, I had a, a handful of friends who really did rock with me, and they were like, oh, I want to, I want to go to this and support Alan. So those those five people came, um, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. I used my faith and said, I'll, I'll just do do it my way. So I was like, okay. So I brought the guys there. 
and I had an open dialogue and I would motivate them and inspire them, pick a topic. And then over time, it started to build. I had five and then I had zero. Right. I said it started to build. Right. Because building doesn't mean that it goes from five, 10, 15 to 20. Building is about what I said, the, the persistence, the resiliency, the consistency. So I went from five to zero, from zero to seven, from seven to 10, from 10 to 15, from 15 to 10, to 10 to five. Right. And then me and my wife are the only people present at the place. Right. Um, oh, wow. To, to it being 20 to me then saying I'm going to do brunch with ties and heels. So I would invite the ladies to come in with their, you know, they wear their dress up with the heels and now we have a joint brunch. So, man, it was so beautiful to see something that I vision with different pieces come to life and to have Muslims, atheists, Christians, uh, Buddhists, white, black, Asian. People from all over the world at my brunch table um, having discussions about purpose in life it was so beautiful you know because no one got in an argument nobody got into the de debate about their beliefs it was like you are who you are state your experience if god changed your life say it if if you don't know god it's okay say your story the way you can right um mm -hmm. because that's your that's your authentic story um so it was definitely uh that's how i built my uh my platform you know for speaking so are you saying that brunch with ties and heels morphed mm -hmm. into Papa's board brunch with ties and heels morphed into alan levi speaks alan oh. levi speaks morphed into the purpose pie so what is alan levi speaks alan levi speaks is my motivational speaking uh name you know alan like alan speaks alan levi speaks um i just speak motivation speak purpose speak hope speak you know, speak whatever's on my consciousness and my mind and my spirit. Um, and it was thanks to the church that I, I was able to confidently start speaking in front of a lot of people because at that time I was in ministry and they were giving me an opportunity to, uh, to preach sermons. And I preached two or three sermons and they were really good sermons. And there were sermons that it was like I, I spent eight hours at night trying to build a sermon. And then God gave me my fresh my fresh holy word in the morning. Um, that was on time, you know, um, and it was nothing that was scripted on my paper, you know, so like I went from there to being like, OK, if if God could speak to me um, this way, you know, um, I don't really feel led to preach at a church, you know, to be a pastor. Everybody would be like, Pastor Al, that's what my friends call me. Pastor Al, that's the dude that'll <laughs> pray. He'll pray with you in a in a bar. He'll pray with you at the club. He'll pray with you like that's Pastor Al. Like, he. I, I go, bro, I go in different places. And this is what I, I felt so confined by ministry was because there were a lot of people who didn't agree with my lifestyle. You know, I still hang out at hookah, hookah lounges, smoking hookah or whatever, and hanging out at little bars, playing spades with my homies. Like, I just did that. And I'm still a Christian. Like, I, it didn't it didn't phase me. Um, but people didn't a lot of people didn't like that. Um, but the people that were in those places, they loved it because they knew I was being my most authentic self. They was like, this dude's having a beer. He loves the Lord. He, if you if you got something you're going through, he said, come on to the balcony and let's pray. Like that, that, that's what people did. And like, so from there, it really launched me into uh that that motivational speaking and saying, you know what? I can I can preach to people motivation, and I don't have to specifically say I'm a Christian 
to reach people because like Miles Monroe would say, he was like, he could go to different places um, and speak to Muslims and say, well, there was a man named John or there was a man named Jesus or there was a man named so-and-so. And this is what he said. Uh, this is what Paul or Saul said, right? Um, he wouldn't go like, and, uh, and James 6, 5 and 4, right? <laughs> he, you know, like, so I took that and said, well, how can I be who I am and connect with everybody? And I'm not saying I do connect with everybody, but how can I just be so open that people would want to plug in and connect with Alan Levi Simmons? And that my, my speaking brand is just that right there. I talk about my vulnerable story, that the same story we're sharing here, I take it to different places. And then from there, I use my spiritual consciousness and I allow the Holy Spirit to tell me or to lead me into what to discuss with those people at those events. And it and it's usually really good, you know, so usually I don't think I've had a bad one yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one more question before we take our final break and have our final session. Um, are you still with a defined ministry like the one that brought you to Charlotte initially? Or now you have decided to. Yeah, I'm kind of solo. Be, that's what that was. What, that was the question I was yeah. about to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm solo. Um, I still love. I love the ministry. I love my my brothers and sisters in Christ. Like they really helped me push forward. I th- I'm in this. I may. I tell my wife like sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'll go back, or maybe I don't know. Um, just join another ministry or whatever. I don't know because I just didn't agree with the way churches did things. Uh, during the height of the um black lives matter movement in america um i didn't i didn't like how these protests were being led by uh angry people uh and not spiritual conscious people and i thought that the preachers were supposed to be at the forefront um and maybe that was me i was supposed to be at the forefront but i didn't see a lot of churches doing that and it really hit me i was like wait 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 and that made me just look at life in a whole nother perspective i said there's you know, the poor will always be amongst us, right? Because of man's greed, people's greed. But why these five churches across the street from each other? Why are there homeless people down here? Why are there these motherless children, these widows, these people? You know, like, why is it all of these churches got billions of dollars and the congregation is struggling? So I had that. That's my that's my battle right there. I'm like, God, like, are these people called or are they just having church you know um there's a big difference you can go to a church and they can have a big worship band and big everything uh great preaching but is god there is his spirit there you know so um i had to ask that is is churches in america dead and it's not the faith it's not it's the churches the places because these people are sucking money out of the people and they're not giving back like how God would have us give back to the people. So I do all of that on my own. I If I see homeless people, if I see somebody struggling, if people are struggling in general, I've been pe- a person people hit up, you know, um, and, and you know, God willing, I have it. I'll give it. Right. Um, so so I that's my type of ministry right there. It's all about action and not uh, just joining together just for show. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I love churches though. I love churches because you have the fellowship, you got the ritual of worship, prayer and a word, but I think it's time for a change and COVID showed us that life is not promised. So today's the time to get into what God is calling us to do in this day and time. So, but yeah, man, I don't want to preach nothing, but that's all I, that's how I feel. <laughs> well, thanks for answering the question. 
We'll be back with Alan on our final session. And I would always, I'm going to ask the question that I normally like to ask. And uh, I want to thank Alan for taking time out to be with us instead of his 11 month old daughter that came knocking on the door. Mm. <laughs> we'll be back. So we're back with Alan in the final session here. And I wanted to ask Alan, he's told us about Alan Levi Speaks, which is basically his ministry uh, since he's now solo. Um, what about Purpose Pod? So I started the Purpose Pod. Um, and <laughs> I did, I say it like that because it's like the Purpose Pod, the Purpose Pod. I love it. Like, I just, I just see one day I'm going to get a like commercial and have like a little Purpose Pod wagon driving. It's like the Purpose Pod. Get in the Purpose Pod. Well, um, actually, but, can I, can I, can I, sorry, can I ask you a question before you answer that? Do you, yeah. Do your friend, would your friends describe you as witty? As what? As witty. Witty? I, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I I don't think I've ever been class defined as that. But uh, maybe if if you ask somebody, it might say I'm witty. <laughs> yeah, because I I mean, in these two times I've interacted with you, you you seem to be very maybe maybe because you've got a daughter now. And I don't know if it's bringing out that side of you to be able to connect with her and stuff. But you're like, oh, no, I mean, I'm the audience like that, bro. I'm, that's, yeah, because, that's yeah, that's me. Yeah, the, audi- the, the, the audience cannot see you, but when you were saying witty, you were moving your head side to sound like a little a little boy walking on the street. And I'm like, this guy is something else. But but please continue. <laughs> yeah, man. I I have a very uh childlike personality uh that I'm so glad I've been able to uh tap into, um, tap back into after like the PTSD. But like, you know, I've always been this like happy go lucky kid from the south, you know, like this country boy, right? That's yeah. that's how I am. But um, but yeah, so the purpose pod, you know, the pandemic came. Uh I couldn't do any uh, more brunch events and mm. I wanted to take things to the next level uh for myself. And so I was like, Well, what's the best way to connect with people? And I was like, Oh, podcast. I didn't I knew nothing. I still don't know any. I don't know. I knew, I knew nothing about podcasting. Um, you know, and I was like, Well, what do I want to talk about? I was like, Well. I love talking about purpose, you know? Um, so I was like, Hmm, the purpose pod. I saw somebody already had something out there, but I still did it anyway. I did the purpose pod, took the name. It's a lady, by the way. I found yeah. It's a lady. Yeah. It's a lady. It's a lady. She had it, but she didn't have like, I think she had like a website or something. Um, but she didn't have it on like all platforms or something like that. It was something weird. Like, I don't think she had a YouTube channel. Um, but I think she had like a, a anchor or something. But anyway, she didn't trademark it. So I was like, bet the purpose pod. Bam. Right. And um, she might get caught up because I might trademark this thing. I don't know. Depending on how things go. Uh, <laughs> but um, the purpose pod, I started in March, uh, you know, during uh, March 2020. Yeah. March 2020. And just I, right when the when the pandemic began. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right then and there. And I was like, for 30 days. I'm going to do this thing. And if I don't like it, I'll, I'll, I'll stop doing it. Right. Um, so I was like, well, who am I going to interview? And like you said, like you reach out to family, you think about your family, you think about your friends and stuff. But I I was like, I looked at my, I'm a, I love uh, my mind because I, I kind of like to step back a lot. <laughs> you know, I like to take this different perspective, this different bird's eye view of my life. And I say, well, I got a lot of friends. I know a lot of people, but who do I want to interview? You know, and I was like, man, I just I met this guy at the University of Notre Dame in Indiana. He's in the NFL now. I was like, I want to interview him. 
oh, my barber, my boy Mario, um, I'm going to interview him. And then this guy he connected me with, James Bradbury, who plays for the Carolina Panthers at the time. He was in the NFL. He just was a rookie. So I had all of these people and then the actress, Maya Stolian. I saw her on Netflix and um, on a movie with Omar Epps and Nia Long. And I was like, I want to interview that girl. You know, so like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you get her on the show? Oh, the, the way I always do it, you are Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, bro. I, it's all about, I'll, I'll share this. It's all about your approach, right? So I believe you got to hit them like real quick, but like make them see you, right? Hey, this is Alan Simmons, uh, Marine combat veteran, host of the Purpose Pod. Would love to have you on the Purpose Pod. I love what you uh, stand for. End of story bam, send it, right? I've sent that to a lot of people, Oprah, D.L. Hughley, Steve Harvey. I've sent it to a lot of people who have never responded, Jay-Z, right? Um, but then there are the people that are really meant to be on your show that, you know, that, that are meant for you in this season of your life as well, because who says it'll never happen? It's just a matter of the season that you're in in your life. So I had 30 people and for 30 days, you are. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like Monday through Sunday. Like I was interviewing people for an hour um, each episode. So 30 hours, I spent my first month of podcasting and I still loved it. You know, so I was like, OK, I'm going to keep doing it. So I did it every Tuesday. I interviewed somebody and then I did that for the whole season. And then I was like, OK, you know what? That's a lot. I'll go to every other Tuesday, right? So that's how the Purpose Pod, you know, kicked off. I don't know if you can hear Yo uh, Lola yelling in the background, but hopefully you can. <laughs> Actually, I can. I, I have to. I have to literally like stay focused and bring my whole senses, and I can okay. hear that shrill noise in the background yeah. there. Okay. So I, I guess that's that, that is that, that is the cue. No, hopefully we good. We good. Hopefully, <laughs> I just don't want to mess it up. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, so it's been two years now for you, and you're still enjoying it. Yeah, bro. Like it's so. What well, I got? I think YouTube says uh, I have like a hundred and two videos. Um, so that's probably like a hundred and two interviews. Or I would say I've done two uh, of them by myself from the Purpose Pod because somebody somebody didn't show up, and I was like, you know, what? I'm still gonna do it. And um, you know, I did it. But I've interviewed over ninety five people um in the last two years, and you know, it's been hour 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 plus. Uh, interviews so it's, it's it's really dope bro and i think this part of the purpose pod that a lot of people don't see is how i'm the host but then i'm also the graphic designer <laughs> and for the longest i was i had to pick up i picked up um canva and i just taught myself how to make my own flyers and then for my flyers the visions like once you tap into your vision you get a clear vision of what you have to do in the meantime, right? So I was like, okay, well, how do I put these videos out there? You know, I started figuring out ways to crop my videos and okay, people are watching reels and Instagram stories. Well, how do I do that? So I, I started just tapping into my other gifts, right? Um, and, you know, I started seeing the numbers on Instagram, how many people were watching and how many people kept saying, hey, that 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 podcast you got, man, that, that purpose pod, man. I, I was watching. I watched it the other day. You had a boy. You know, like people say that. And I'm like, oh, man, people are actually watching. 
Um, my family, like, even if they're not subscribed, they're actually watching. Oh, that's cool. Even if they never comment, you know, they're actually, they're actually. I like watching, the way you said you know. it. They never subscribe. They're, yeah, Trust they never me. Subscribe. It's it's the people that you think that would 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 participate in your content that you'd right. be shocked they don't. Yeah, they just see it. They be like, "Oh man, good job." Like, yeah. <laughs> I totally right. feel you, man. I yeah. totally feel you. Let me ask you, what have you learned so far uh, doing Purpose Board in two years? About purpose or just about no? What what have you learned by just running the show? What, oh well, what... number one, I've learned yeah. that the 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 rule of life is that nobody's gonna care about something that you create more than you, right? Like, is there's no one in the world who's gonna care about what you create more than you, and it shouldn't be right uh, because the support should not stop you. You could the support isn't really a foundational support. Uh, you know, they say, oh, man, I need views. But if you really want to succeed, you have to be persistent and resilient. Right. Because uh, season one, season two, season three, it may take all the way to season 15 for you to get some big signing deal. But in the midst of all of that, I've learned how to self-care is important. I've learned that. OK, I need to take a break. Right. Um, I've learned number two is that perfection is not perfect, right? Uh, you know, you showing up is what is perfect about your creation um, and you putting in the work and the time. So like, I've, I've learned those little things and then purpose. I was like the purpose pod. I want to interview people about their purpose. It now has taken me into the, 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 the mindset of purposes. We have, we all serve many purposes in our life. It's not just, oh, I am a Marine. Oh, I am an engineer. It's, I can serve several different purposes by being the person that I am, right? So um, when people are searching for purpose now, as the purpose pod, I understand his purpose might not look like mine. And even if we do the same thing, we might not sound the same. You know, and that's the perfect thing about pur purpose. Mm -hmm. So uh, my final question to you, mm -hmm. or second, second to last question, is um, well, I know... Uh, okay, I'm speculating here that the experience you had in Afghanistan with the Taliban, with the RPG and everything probably might be the most destabilizing event that has happened to you. But I'll still ask the question because mm -hmm. there might be another thing that you might you you might share with us. What What's the most destabilizing event that has happened to you? And most importantly, how did you bounce back from that? Yeah, I know the 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 Afghanistan thing was a big one, but I would I would say that my my mom leaving at the age of you know four was a very destabilized. That thing messed up my life. You are, <laughs> I didn't know until I was thirty years old that I was acting out because I had mommy issues. My acting out meaning I was seeking the attention of women because of my mommy issues. I was the ladies' man. Because of my mommy issues. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't know that. I was wanting people to love me more than I was loving myself because of my mommy issues. So, well, like, that's the, that's the thing people don't know, right? Everybody knows the, oh, Afghanistan and da-da-da-da. But, like, that, that dude, Alan, like, he was so out there because he had mommy issues. Like, this dude was seeking acceptance from women. You know, and validation from women um, and love from women. And, you know, I, I stand here in this place that I am in now 
um, my bounce back was understanding the flaw in my life, which was my mom. Like I said earlier, like writing down what it is, like, what do you see? All right. Right. I had to recognize like, yo, being this guy is not good. You know, the world tells you, be a ladies man, be a player, be this and that. You know, it's not good, yep. but it's stressful. It breaks hearts. It's, you know, it leaves you in a bad place a lot of times. Um, so I had to look at that and I had, you know, just like I said, my wife's grace and and just having a daughter, having a daughter, you are, I got a, I, I produced a girl and that girl, <laughs> I don't want her to meet an Allen. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to meet her daddy before he had her. I want her to meet the guy that her dad became, you know? Um. So, so I, I, I just, all of those things, are making me live differently, you know, mm. um, and it's making me a better person. And from being a better person, I can now serve my purposes from that place instead of serving my purpose as a as a hungry ladies man um, on the purpose pod, you know, or, you know, it, it wouldn't serve me any justice if I was that guy in the space that I am in now. Did you have you is mom is mom still alive? Yeah, she is. Um, she's right there in Somerville or Charleston. You know, we text here and there. Um, you know, and I love her in a sense of like she's my mother. You know, because I, you know, I love her, but I don't even know her um, like that. You know, I, she wrote me a letter, and I said this to to people: if you have a, an estranged relationship with a family member who is still alive, especially a parent, ask them to write you a letter about their life. And that's what I did with my mom. And it really brought me a lot of peace because I was able to see that my mom got pulled out of school at a young age. Uh, she had my sisters at a young age, my brother at a young age, and um, she didn't get her education, you know? And, and with that, and with the way my grandmother was, my mom was the woman she was. And then my dad was the man that he was when they were together. So it's no, no fault to her own that she left um but and she didn't know how to build a relationship with me so that letter that she wrote me really helped me forgive her and um now i have forgiveness but there's still a relationship that needs to be built but if it never builds um i have peace and forgiveness in my heart because i understand why she is the way she is where did you get the idea to ask someone to write your letter if you're estranged from them? Bro, I was being, bro. like I said, that perspective, like you got to pull yourself, I'm telling you, you got to pull yourself out of it. I had to pull Alan out of it and get my pride and all the negative thoughts and everything I've heard about her and everything people say about her. I had to pull myself apart and look at my life and said, dude, you've been jacked up. You've been misleading. You've been untruthful. You know, like, you're not perfect, Alan. So mm. what's your mother's story? Right? So I had to, I had, I got that reality check, that humbling experience, and I found out her story. You know, um, there's times when I've talked to my dad and I've written down stuff that he said. Like, you know, just like noting, like, oh, dad said he was in Alaska and he got frostbite on his feet. And like, I'm writing down little things because... As children, we, I mean, I'll speak for myself. As a child, I never knew my parents' life. I just knew that that's mom, that's dad, right? 
but I didn't know who they were um, before they had us. So I, I was very curious to understand who my parents were. And ironically, who they were is who I was, you know, over my lifetime. It's like you can see the, the shadow of your family um, surrounding the shadows of your parents uh, surrounding you and being cast from your light um, and shadow. You could see their their image in your reflection and say, well, my dad was like this and my mom was like this. My mom loved it. My dad and my mom met on the dance floor. And I'm a dancer. I love to dance. And it's so funny. Like, it is, they met on the dance floor, and I'm a dancer. Um, you know, so it's just like, it's just cool learning those things. So I, I say, if you have a living loved one and the relationship is not as strong, just step out there by faith and just ask, ask them, hey, could you write me a letter? I would love to just learn about you and uh, just have something like that, you know? So, yeah, yeah so man, that, I just that- I do the strange thing. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. That that asking your mom to write you a letter, is that an original idea that you that oh, came yeah. to you or, or or you learned it from someone? I'm sorry, yeah, that, that's that's something that came from me. So that's basically a tool. It is a tool. I mean, I guess it is. I guess it is. I know I mean I didn't even think about that. I wasn't gonna share with anybody about that, but yeah, I I uh that's a tool I use, you know, and I think I know a lot of people who have strange relationships with their parents and um there's some unforgiveness there you know and unforgiveness does does not uh do well for our health um it adds to the stress even if we put them in the back of our minds that unforgiveness still produces fruit in our life and it 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 is displayed in our in our lifestyle you know, especially if it's a parent, you know, if it's a, a woman and her father's not around, there's a lot of ways that women with their father's not around, their life plays out. Men, if their mom isn't around, their life plays out a certain way. Their dad's not around, their life plays out a certain way. So there's different things they have to go up against, but it doesn't mean that they can't have the life that they desire, you know, um, because that person is missing. So if they say no, um, don't be upset. Don't be mad because you got to understand that's a part of who they are. Like they don't understand, you know, they, they, they're, they're this person. Our parents are these people who live the life the same way you and I have, you are like, you have lived this life. You chose to live a life the way you have lived. Our parents did the same thing, you know? Um, And based on that, that choice, you know, they became the people that they are today. So we got to have some forgiveness in our hearts for our parents um and some patience you know for our loved ones so that we can understand who they are seek first to understand then to be understood so so my final question to you is um if failure was not even in the equation it wasn't been a word what what mm-hmm. uh what endeavor would you would you take on what endeavor would i take on if failure wasn't a word or it was non-existent what what project would you what, what project would you take on? My focus project would have to be um, where my passion lies, which is rebuilding the black community in America. Um, it it is a dear thing to my heart. Like I, I would love when I pass away to know that I had an impact on the culture of black people and that we were able to build rebuild our communities. Uh, and recreate the connection that we have. Like, if failure wasn't an option, and I was to succeed, and that—that that is something that I would do. 
that's such a huge project. It is a huge, and that's where my heart is, bro. That's that's like I would I would leave my job and I would quit the purpose pod. I would quit motivational speaking if I knew the path to doing things like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, you know, um, not like them, but doing it as me, as Alan Simmons, this playful guy, this guy that can be serious, this guy that you can call and you can confide in, you know, like I want to do it as that guy going to the community and say, Hey, look, man, like we got to stop killing each other. Like we got to stop robbing each other. And not just like, and really just taking the time to connect to people, man. I've hung out with drug dealers. I've hung out with gang bangers. I've hung out with a lot of people who people wouldn't hang out with. And I've prayed with a lot of those people too. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, it it, it, it has shown me, bro. Like I've been in very crazy situations. And out of those situations, those people have a respect for me because I am authentic. You know what I mean? Like, I'm here like, bro, I'm struggling with the blunt, the weed. Like, I'm, you know, I'm telling, I was telling people, like, I was telling people the truth, you know, and I was telling them the truth, but I was also telling them, like, man, God is so good. The love of God is so good. You know what I mean? Like, I was telling them that, and it, and then people now, it's not, I'm, I don't got to preach a sermon. Man, the love of God is so good, bro. This is what, this is my life. They say, um, is is by the words of our testimony, right? It's, it's by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony, right? Forgot the whole scripture part, but there's pretty much that part. The blood of the lamb, the way that Christ was slain and he resurrected is that part. And then there's the your testimony. Those are how people will come. Those are how people will come out of their situations, right? Is when you, when you take, it's not just, oh, my religion, but it's, oh, my story. So if yeah. failure wasn't an option, I would take my story go out into the world in the black community, stand on a box on a street corner and start speaking truth and uh, freedom to the people. <laughs> wow. And I can still do it now, probably. I will probably end up doing it, you are. I will probably, because fear, uh, failure is non-existence, bro. Like, I would never fail another day in my life. I would never have another failure experience. I My mind has changed, bro. Like, everything that I've failed, quote unquote, on, it was a was a lesson in my life of you got to study more or you got to apply yourself more like failure just means that you did not do things the right way the first time mm. it does not mean that you were not capable of doing it so college i failed but i failed because i didn't know how to study i didn't have the community i didn't have the confidence once you rebuild those three things i graduated bam so yeah <laughs> All right. Well, um, you have dropped a lot of gems here and it would be very interesting for me to ask you what's the final word you want to say to the audience considering that there's so many gems you have dropped, but uh, how can the audience uh, follow what you're doing and what final words would you like to share with them? Okay, folks, I appreciate that you are. First of all, you are. Thank you so much for having me on the eccentrics. Like I really have enjoyed Akeem. I got to thank him. Again, um, you are like I, I'm going to tell people for the rest of my life, like I'm just going to tell people about you and just how uh, just fascinating of a of an interviewer you are, you know. Um, so I just want to encourage you to never stop, never quit, repeat, of course. 
uh, because you have something that is very valuable and that will it's just going to do great things, man. So just don't lose sight of uh, where you're going um, because this is really good. And uh, for the people out there, you can reach me at Allen, A-L-L-E-N, Levi, L-E-V-I, Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. That's Allen Levi Simmons on social media. Or you could put a dot com at the end of that and go to my website and find everything about me there. Um, my, my words to the people is... Don't let failure imprison your mind, bring scoliosis to your spine and leave you bent. You were born to be great. Set aside to be great. Your every breath is more precious than diamonds and pearls. Step out from this world and take a leap into your destiny. Look into the mirror and see what others cannot. You are royalty. Your royalty should be shown by how much you have grown. Seeds of failure and success have both been sown, but please don't step down from your throne. Keep marching. Keep moving. You are almost home. Did anyone hear your dreams and said they had no meaning? Did anyone hear your story and told you to stop dreaming? If so, let them go. Let them watch God take you from the valley into your promised land. Take my hand as I remove you from this quicksand. Fly with me. Gather your feathers. Lift up your head and aim to the stars with me. Stretch and reach the heights with me. Unbreakable people will be tested by pressures that measure their durability. Do you believe in your abilities? Do you believe in God's ability? You are unbreakable. And remember, never stop, never quit, repeat. <laughs> all right all right okay um well he's <laughs> you fool up man he, oh he started laughing <laughs> the way you have said multiple sclerosis i was like i'm done man yeah i started checking my spine i was like lord yeah. have mercy but you know what man <laughs> that's how I failure mean, have you bro don't let failure imprison your mind bring scoliosis to your spine and leave you bent you gotta don't let failure do it to you amazing thank you Thanks, very much man. for the kind words Thanks very much for coming on the, the show. I, I, I classify you as a true eccentric because my, 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 my definition of eccentrics are people that are non-conformist and you are truly living your purposeful life and in different uh, avenues that you have decided to share the, your gift with the world. And you ended up uh, giving us a nice uh, ending there with, uh, with poetry. So nice. there you go. True eccentric to the core. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. All right. Take care. All right. Well, there we go. Another episode of uh, the show has come to an end. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with the guest and uh, learned something from it and a particular part of uh, his or her story inspired you to make that move whatever that move could be for you uh with that being said please subscribe to the show uh you can also leave a review the review really helps the show to grow and gets uh in the ears of other people um also share with a friend someone that you know in your network that you believe this episode they need to hear this uh you can share it with that individual uh whatever podcast directory use uh, look for the share option and uh, share it to that person lastly don't forget to go on the website www.uriukpong.com to subscribe to three nuggets weekly where i share three things that i found interesting the previous week and uh, think may add value to your life with that being said i'm wishing you a great week and I will uh, come back.
come back to your ears next week. Have a good one now and do something crazy. Bye for now.